Hi, I'm Chris Apolito, and welcome to the Get Coached Podcast, where I'm documenting my journey from employee to entrepreneur while featuring the coaches that are helping me along the way. Each episode, these coaches provide actionable advice to help me and you, the audience, find more success as entrepreneurs. I invite you to join the journey so we can go and grow together. This is episode number 19 of the Get Coach podcast. And in this episode, I sat down with Anthony Trucks. Anthony does it all. He's an author, speaker, coach, former NFL athlete, and American Ninja Warrior, among many other accomplishments. Anthony and I talked about how to navigate life's challenges and make shift happen. So please enjoy this conversation with Anthony Trucks. Welcome to the Get Coach Podcast. I am thrilled to have you on. Um, we, we have a little bit of history. We've worked together in the past. Um, and I, I don't know why I didn't reach out to you sooner because you were, you were actually one of my favorite clients I worked with at that, that company that we did business together. And so I'm glad I reached out. I'm, I'm grateful that you accepted to, to be a guest on the show. Uh, so for people that don't know who you are, uh, if they do a Google, they'll see all of it, but I'd I'd love if you could share your story, where you came from and how you got to kind of where you're at now. Yeah, man. So where I'm at now, I guess, is probably a good uh, place just to give them an idea of why to even listen, right? So now I'm a former NFL athlete, uh, former American Ninja Warrior. I've officially retired from the NBC TV show. Uh, I'm a speaker. I'm an author. Uh, I travel the world and talk in front of thousands of people at a time. I coach people uh, on a very specific concept, which I call identity shift. But really, it's about teaching people how to elevate how they operate so they can level up their life and business. Uh, there's a lot of tools, techniques, strategies, but a lot of people are falling short of having any of those work out for them, and it causes frustration. I come in and teach them that missing area that helps them make more money and more impact. Uh, but it didn't start that way, right? So all this is going to be what I call the message and the messenger. If I'm the guy talking about this, I'd better be the guy that's the right guy to talk about it, right? So, right. Uh, and this honestly is one of those things where it, it came to be out of sheer accident and survival, but if you take things back, like the root of who we are is an identity thing, right? That's why I really work on the science of it, but I make it commonplace for business by some connection points. But it started because that's what I struggled with like all my life. So when I was three years old, I was given away into the foster care system by my mom. And that would, at the time was a paycheck. So I was beaten, starved, tortured like craziness. So I'm already dealing with the identity of uh, being lost, feeling like I'm struggling, not knowing where I'm at in the, in the world where I fit. Uh, you know, not being loved by my own mom. I'm this foster kid. Six years old, I get put into the family. That's my current family. Uh, unique thing is I'm the only black person in all white families. So there's always that identity di- you know, dynamic that I was dealing with at the time. We were really, really poor. So I had that part of the identity. I was this poor kid. Uh, we had, I mean, just craziness. Rats in the, in the pantry and cockroaches in the garage. And like, we got our clothes out of a donated garbage bag from the Goodwill. Like, it's just, we did not have much, right? And then at 14 years old, I was finally adopted. Because I wasn't adopted. I was a foster kid for 11 years in the system. Finally got adopted. So now I knew for the first time that the place that I woke up on, I get to go to bed. I never knew that for 14 years of my life. So finally get to this point where I'm, I'm here. And now I'm like, all right, well, I'm now the identity of the adopted kid, not just the foster kids. This is my family, but I don't look like them. It's a weirdness. My adoptive mom gets diagnosed with MS. So I'm now the son of a sick mom. My older brother grew up in the military. I try sports. 
Now I'm the guy that sucks at sports. <laughs> There's a lot of weird little things. But then I had this kind of weird epiphany, like, man, I, I got to do something more than what I'm doing. Because we all try something new. Like I tried sports. And in trying it, we, we realize we suck at it at first. That's what it is. And it deters us. Because we don't want to re-expose ourselves to something that gives us an emotional pain. So I ran from it. I tried to tuck away. And I just accepted that I'm this lowly foster kid with a sick mom who's not supposed to do anything great in life. And there was this moment in time where some girl said something that pretty much made my excuse in my head come out loud out of her mouth with no idea I was listening. It just really shook me. I was like, that is a really stupid excuse. We don't always get the gift of a great excuse, right? The gift of hearing your dumb excuse out loud. And I did. And I was like, I can't be that kid. I can't be the guy who was 30 years old and a bad dad who's a criminal because of something that happened as a kid. So I was like, I'm going to be great. And it shifted the way I perceived and, and moved towards stuff. And I started creating this different Anthony. So got better at sports, got a football scholarship to play at the University of Oregon. So I'm a duck up here, got my helmet. You can see it, you guys are watching. My duck helmet, hey, nice. I stole it. I stole it from the state of Oregon, don't tell them. <laughs> I really did, because it's a state school. <laughs> I, I don't know, don't let them watch this, I'm gonna get in trouble. So uh, <laughs> so it was, I, had, I played at college, I had uh, my son at 20 years old, so now I'm a father, that's that new part of the identity. I find my real father, new part of the identity. So now I have two dads, but they're not gay, right? So they have, you know, this whole new dynamic I'm dealing with and just trying to figure out who I am. I'm with my high school sweetheart, you know, fast forward four years and I'm now entering the NFL and I got to figure out what to do with my life. Like I'm trying to figure out how this thing works. I get married. So now I'm married to my high school sweetheart. We have a kid, go to the NFL. NFL, by the way, stands for not for long. It's NFL. <laughs> and, and when I was done, like I got, I tore my shoulder playing against the Eagles and I came home. And as much as you just heard of the story, that was all the beginning. Like that's the thing. Like that was the that's that moment of like that was my journey that everybody thought was like oh like that that was you know but the NFL is amazing. Third year in, I tear my shoulder. I now lose my career in the NFL. I'm started square square one right. Uh, I had this identity crisis of like who is Anthony. So I come home to build this gym business because that's what I knew and I gave all of that to to you know to my whole heart to that. I neglected my wife and my now two more kids. Uh, I wasn't in good shape. My relationship sucked business was falling apart nine months in, I was looking at bankruptcy like it got bad and then it got worse like I have this situation where I find my wife's having an affair and it took me to a super super dark rock bottom like genuinely rock bottom Chris I didn't want to come out of it man I did I drove off one night and sent a text to my friends and family and said please tell my children who their father was like I did I could not deal with the fact that anything that made me me was no longer there and, and so coming out of that hole, I had to find ways to like to, to refine myself. This is where this makeshift happen comes from. Dude, I had to makeshift happen. If I was in a civilian planet, I had to find a way to come out of this hole. And, you know, my, my marriage fell apart. Uh, my, you know, my parenting situation sucked. The, the gym business was the one thing I was tied to financially. So I had to make that work. I had to figure out what's going on because I'd already bought the programs and tools and software and mastermind groups I was in, but none of it was making me money. And so I had to find a way to kind of like climb out of that. And I did, like I, I started climbing out. I learned the parts of Anthony that were broken. Uh, and I'll say broken for me. For other people, they're not typically broken. I just reached the maximum point of what I could operate at. I was not operating at my full tick. I mean, it's a guy post NFL. Like most people think like, oh, great mindset. You'll kill it. Dude, I had the mindset. I was this guy that had a chip on his shoulder. I was missing the, the technician who was able to communicate and operate, react, act. Things like the ego, all that stuff that most people in entrepreneurship or business ownership, a lot of them are struggling with. They got all these different tools and whiz bang gadgets and stuff, but they don't let anybody see them sweat. 
So I finally let people see me sweat. And I learned, I learned through the process of just trial and error. Like I did all this crazy work to find out how I, as a human, was showing up to the work I was doing. And the gym business, it grew. Then I got to the point where I was, you know, making like $60,000 a month. We were doing some things. Ended up getting a quarter million dollar contract with a large power company nearby for like strains and sprains and soft tissue stuff. Uh, I was divorced, navigating that whole pitfall of craziness. And then you fast forward about maybe three years from there, I happened across an industry, which is this industry now, which is like personal development. And I didn't know it existed. I had no clue what it was. And I, I didn't realize that there was a lot of me as a life story that was a benefit to the world around me. I was just worried about Anthony at the moment. And then I got to the point in 2014, my mom passed away. And I was in the room with her when she took her last breaths, man. And it was this weird thing where she passed from MS, had so much potential, like so much that she was supposed to do and she was not physically capable of doing it. And here I am in this business where at the time, like we were doing well, but I, I, the success was empty. I didn't love it. I didn't feel like I was giving something of positivity really like at a higher level that I could back to the world. So I, I had this moment where I was like, man, if, if I'm going to be able to live on and, and honor my mom, I got to find a way to live like the way she lived. And what she did that I saw was amazing was she unconditionally loved me. And I wasn't her blood. She didn't have to love me. Because like if I can carry that into the world, and love on the world unconditionally to help them reach their full potential like she did for me, like then I could do something that would be great for the world from my past that would carry her, her honor forwards. And I did that. So I went in and I learned how to be able to make some craziness happen, man. So I've, I've really, through living my life, figured out how to turn crazy stuff on. So there was the NFL. After that, I've now been able to climb and I've, I've written books. I now speak on stages. I, I work with companies like Amazon. Uh, I, I, I work with at-risk youth, moms and dads, solopreneurs, infopreneurs, like all these different people. And really what it is, it's me unpacking the, the past of my journey, right? What I did through this trial and error. Because what happens, I sat in this room and some guys, I previously had a company called Trust Your Hustle. Some guys were like, yeah, I don't like it. I'm like, that's five years of my life. What do you mean you don't like it? He's like, I don't like it. He's like, message messenger. He's like, I, at the end of the day, we all hustle in this room. I'm talking about a room full of people it's like a guy named Ethan Willis, Brennan Richard, you know, Dean Graziosi, Trent Shelton's there, Lewis Howes. Like, we got brains. Uh, Russell Brunson's there, Jeff Walker. We got brains in this room. And they're all like, yeah, like, it's not, you know, we, we all hustle. We all, what's the benefit? He says, but what I do want to know, how did you get into this room? How did you navigate all those different shifts of your identity that most people would get hung up on their entire life? How did you do that? Yeah. And a light bulb went off and I was like, oh, that's, that's just my life. So let me go find out what I did. So I went and looked at my own life and put it through the filter of all these books that are literally sitting on my table right now. They're like textbooks, like Eric Erickson. How did, how did the, the identity play a role into it? Then how can I simplify that to the everyday actions to teach somebody, a client, to apply to their life and apply to their business to be able to get the success they want? And so that's where my, my world of work is at, man. That's what I do. I love to be able to pull back from my own life stories, my, my client stories, and, uh, and put them through a process that's duplicatable to get a result of more income and more impact. That's, I, your story is fantastic. I mean, obviously, like, it's such a crazy journey that you went on um, that I almost feel like as much value as it brought you in, in your personal journey, like you needed to go through that to get to where you're at. I sometimes feel, I love these stories, but I think sometimes people get almost like intimidated by those kinds of stories yeah. and they go like, oh, well, my journey hasn't been that hard. Why do I feel 
like such a loser or whatever it is that they're struggling with. Like my own personal journey, I've not gone through nearly as much as what you you've gone through, but I, I still feel like there's, there's more that I can do. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and on the, on the topic of identity, one of the things that I wanted to ask, cause I've, I've always wanted to ask you this question. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's the identity that we kind of assign ourselves. Yeah. Right. But then there's an identity that sometimes the external world applies to us. And a lot of that comes, yeah, all of that, whether it's the external or, or longtime friends who they've known you for so long Mm -hmm. and they, they've got this identity of really fixed identity of you, but you personally have grown a lot Mm -hmm. and, but they still think of you in that old way. Yeah. If you're in, if you were helping somebody who was in a position like that, so they've gone through their personal journey, they're shifting mm-hmm. their identity, but they've yeah. got this social circle that's still attributing this old identity to them. What would be your guidance to that person? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's all a matter of consistency. So what ends up happening is you have think about how you ingrained over time to them who you are. It was just you were consistently you. And most people, what they want is for them to be able to walk in a room and say, hey, you know, all my life, I've been a guy that smokes weed and I don't smoke weed anymore. Sorry for the reference, but I'm just thinking about like a buddy and his friend. Yeah, no, that's fine. But they all still do it. And you come in, you know, one day you come in, I've grown, man, I've done my thing. And then they start passing, you know, a joint around, we'll call it. And you say, no, no, I don't do, I don't do that. Yeah, you do. Come on. Yeah, you do. No, no, I don't. Yeah, you come on. You were for the last 15 years. Yeah, you do you have a moment in time to be consistent or inconsistent. If you say, oh, all right, whatever. Well, now you've just consistently been in line with who you used to be. But what mm. happens is if you say, no, look, I don't, whatever, you're tripping. They'll, they'll pass around to the thing. Next time you come around, they'll do the exact same thing. I don't. Yeah, you do. I didn't last time. Yeah, you were just, you were crazy. Like, but then if you do it again, then it's like, oh, over time, eventually they'll be like, well, that, that's who Anthony is now. Like, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't smoke right now anymore because he doesn't. You know, in fact, I, at one point I asked Ant why he does it. And he told me, I was like, dude, yeah, I, I myself am out of shape and I'm lazy and I, I'm lethargic and I fight with my wife too. Like, so actually I, I stopped smoking weed now too because Anthony who was consistent, right? So most people want to end, they don't want to end that moment because there's contention. Like I'm not going to be seen as this guy. I'm going to be looked at as a fraud. I'm going to be different. Yeah, that's something you have to expect. And if you don't expect that, then that's, that's naive, but you're going to be seen different because what has to happen is typically in those situations, when you make a change in your peer group, you have to be seen one of two ways. The first way is you're potentially doing something right. I have to now have an introspective look at myself and I might feel uncomfortable with what I realize because the mere looking back is like, dude, you're not that good. Mm. So that hurts. That's typically what I do on one side. Other option is I don't want to deal with what I just talked about. I don't want to deal with that. So I got to demonize you so I still feel better. So they do play you down. They do make you seem like you're stupid, you're crazy. They talk then because they want you to come back to the normalcy that they're all used to. Because we like normalcy as human beings, we just do. And so if you anticipate that this is going to happen in that moment, tell them like, "Look, I love you. I know who you are. I, I'm not asking you to change who you are. Like this is just who I want to be. Here's a place I desire to go." So when you're in that peer group and that friend group and you're making that shift, realize that the shift is going to take time for them to embrace, just like it took time for them to embrace you. But because you've already got that ground foundation, they love you. If you approach it with grace and not, you know, arrogance and, and just like you're, you're, you guys are all lazy now, like don't point fingers, you'll find you can improve that group, but then you get to stay in the path you want with the people you want with you. Right. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I really appreciated the comment about consistency because um, it's whether you, if you're going to form your own positive habits, you need to be consistent with it. So mm -hmm. by, and, and the, that the value of consistency is by demonstrating this new character or this new habit that you are building by displaying mm -hmm. that consistency to uh, your social circle, they yeah. eventually will buy into it too. Because if you do it from time to time to go, well, is that really you? Like you're not doing yeah. it all the time. So mm -hmm. are you really like the healthy guy now or working out totally or whatever? It is? Yeah. yeah. But then all of a sudden you get around us and you're like, you're drinking, you're eating junk food and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm like personally, <laughs> like that's yeah. the way I am. It's, it's on my own 90. Well, I've slipped a little bit, but you're healthy okay. most of the time. But then yeah. I get around certain people and they still love like eating chips and all that kind of stuff. And then I'm like, ah, okay, fine. And then I start yeah. eating. And it's like, ah, why'd I do that? Cool. Well, yeah, um, there's some extremes and some non extreme I mean, there's eating chips or something is okay. If you're catching the workouts, right. But I'm if, just like, being if, hard hey, on myself. If, if we're all doing drugs, like, you know, we'll do drugs. You know what I mean? If we're all like cheating our wives, like that's not the cool thing to do. I'm just saying there's certain levels where if you are saying, I want to be this new person and I'm trying to change, you know, because a lot of people will say, change your peer group. And even that's scary. E even the idea of saying, like, I need to get new friends. I'm cutting these people off. Well, we don't want to have acceptance. So it's hard because, like, if I cut them off, well, who else do I have? I don't know. And then the thought of, like, I'm going to go into that new group, that's scary because mm. I'm not that person yet. And what if they find out who I used to be? So it's, it's, <laughs> it's almost more scary to find a new peer group. But that peer group, when you get to it and you get to be kind of brought in, it's way better. But that's still a scary journey for people to take. Right. I, yeah, I never even really thought about it in that regard. So the, the, it is really common advice. The, um, like Zig Ziglar, I think it is like, you will be the average of the five people that you hang around with the most mm. and, and elevating your association is very common advice in that personal development, uh, world. And, and yeah, I, I never really thought about it. So I guess if somebody was in that position where they're going, you know what, I want to, I want to elevate my association. I want to start hanging around the people who are always working out, not always, but like they work out, they take that seriously. They take their health mm -hmm. seriously. They're entrepreneurs, like just surrounding themselves with that type of person they want to become. And there yeah. is that fear. What would be the, what would be your guidance to them or like your, your perspective on, on what, how to approach that? Yeah. Well, I, I usually take it back to like, how would I, be in that environment how do i want people to be right so treat people how you like to be treated the first way i look at it and i frame it outside so what i mean by that is in in my world of the people i operate with when people can come to me and be very transparent like look i want to be at your level but i'm not at that level right now i know there's work i have to do um, but i want to be around and i want to see how you think how you operate um, i just i kind of want to watch and i'm like cool don't come to me and say, I'm dope, I'm amazing, I'm great, and then get in and try to do that and then fall behind. I'm like, ah, this person's off. And then I give you advice and you have to try to protect that, that lie and you get more bravado when your ego shows up like, eh, I'm cool with that person, right? So what I would say is that the people you want to be around, if you tell them like, hey, I'm trying to climb, I used to do this, this, and this, and they you know, laugh at you or, or they make fun of you, that's not the group you want to be with in the first place. Right. It's not where you, you don't belong there. You don't want to be there, I promise you, because you'll conform to who they are and they're monsters and that's not a good group. But the group when you can finally, and, and, and if, if they bag on you, who cares? Like not the end of the world, you're not going to die. Go to the next group, you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. when you find that group that you can tell them and they go, that's awesome. Hey, we all started there too. 
come on and let's show you where we love those who are bold enough to be like you and tell us what, what that's really going on. We want to help that kind of person. So they'll bring you in. And right. that's what you need to go do. So if you're in that, that fearful space, that fear is only stopping you from, from uh, uh, you know, getting the next level because you're having a conversation that's not really most likely going to happen. Because nine times out of 10, you get the group who's like, come on in. So if you're not making that step out, like you're just shooting yourself in the foot because there are people who want to help you because somebody helped them. Right. It sounds, uh, it sounds like a, a bit of the advice is saying like, stay humble and, and then be grateful for the opportunities that they may give, um, should mm -hmm. they give it. But I, I like the idea of, uh, and it makes sense. I mean, obviously, if you reach out to a, a person or a group of people that you idolize and, and they belittle you based on your past experience, probably not a group that you, you want to, you yeah. know, like you probably Go don't want to be associated with them. Yeah. Um, on the, I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about Ninja Warrior and, yeah. and just through that whole experience. Cause I mean, that's, that is a tough, tough sport, world. right? <laughs> Do you, was there any, like, I'm sure there were some challenges there, but what would be some of the bigger challenges that you had and, and maybe lessons learned coming out of an experience like Ninja Warrior? Yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, is most people see it as you know, a physical thing. So there's a preparation aspect. What people don't typically see is that it's a, there's a very thin line between winning and losing in a sense or succeeding and failing. And, and what it comes down to is just technicality. Like, are you, are you technical in high pressure environments? So you see, you see that all this, and also can you manage your, your own, your body and emotions? So what you see on the show is like, you know, somebody up there, it's all fun, like amazing crowd. At the actual show, it's like weirdly quiet. It's like two in the morning, three in the morning when you're running the race. And oh, really? Everybody's half asleep. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's like half asleep in the stands. They have moments where they they make the crowd get loud. They fly a drone. They just inter they, they put that into the you know the shots, pretty right. much the noise. And so, uh, so what ends up happening is like it's just this very technical. You make one mistake, you're out. So what you're trying to do is go fast enough to be able to be competitive, but not so fast that you stumble on yourself because one mistake and you're done right. now it's not typically like that in life right you usually have more than one opportunity to make mistakes but a lot of the time uh we get so like a lot of people who are in that same situation they clam up and when you clam up and you don't just free flow you're more apt to make mistakes like you have that weird hiccup step and it stops you so you don't release when you're, when you're holding on you don't release and then now you go slide backwards and you can never release again because you lose momentum or you're too far away like that bubble that moment you need to just go. Yes, everything's on the line if you mess it, but everything's on the line if you don't let go. Mm. And so like there's there's like these this one where you can grab uh, a bar, like you, you get a rope to a bar and the bar slides down and you have to, when the momentum's down, you have to release in that first go or you'll never make it to the next thing. And so people would get down and they get to the bottom and they would be a little bit nervous. They wouldn't let go and they slide back and it, the way it's designed, it kills your momentum. Right. You can, you can never get it back up. So you're just sitting there swinging dying right so that's kind of the thing i think for uh what i've learned and what a lot of the cool stuff is i've applied from that into life is like there's gonna be those moments when you get one shot everything's on the line but if you hesitate you lose everything if you go you got a shot but you just got to take the shot mm. yeah a lot so of lessons there in, in regards to life and business yeah because uh, i look for them they're not i mean most people wouldn't find them but i see them but yeah it, it's, it's always like the, you know, when the lights are on, can you perform when the lights are on? You know, I think a lot of people are so afraid of the lights they can't perform. My wife, my wife can physically do the show, but she will not because she's afraid of the whole lights, camera, action. She's not built for that. 
and she'll that's admit it. Interesting. And, and that's fine. I mean, it's not, not that you have to, I don't think anybody has to do it. You just know where you don't know. Right. But, but in the world of what we do, you know, in the world of how we're out, it's like, you got to find a way to not only be in front of those lights, but be in front of those lights and, and like, be like confidently you. Cause yeah. when you, when you can do it, there's so many more opportunities that open up because a lot of people step into it half-heartedly. They'll, they'll, they'll come in with a timidness or you can see that they're questioning in their eyes. A lot of people I, I see on stages sometimes or I see in social and I'm watching you and I know that, that you're hiding something or I can, with, with all the video we watch nowadays, I know when something, somebody's giving me a piece, but not all of them. Like I just know. And like, I'm immediately turned off. Like can't, can't follow this person. I can't pay attention. But then there's some that are out there and people that they'll do is they'd be like, man, this guy is always loud and belligerent. And like they'll, they'll almost complain about him, but they're watching him. Like, yeah, you, you can't take your eyes off the, off the train wreck. <laughs> right. And that's the thing. And so even if he's going crazy, but that's the thing I don't realize is he's just being him. And he, even though you may not like how he's doing it, the act of him being fully him is giving him what he wants, which is the same thing probably you want, which may be time, eyes, whatever it might be. He's doing something different with it. But if you continue to demonize what he's doing, you'll never do that thing. You'll never have what he has. Right. Yeah, I would definitely say uh, it's still an area of growth for me. Uh, I actually had one of my earlier episodes. I think this was like episode four with Diane Shaver. It was her. She, mm -hmm. at the end of one of our, our calls, I think it was even our just our intro call. She kind of like, she called me out a little bit. She's like, I feel like you're holding back. I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? She's like, you're just like, she's like, I can't really describe it, but it just feels like you're not revealing your true self to me almost. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's super interesting. And, and yeah, it's just something I want to make sure that I, I'm not like, I don't know. I don't feel like I have anything to hide, but there's this weird thing. Like your ego is always trying to protect itself. Always. So maybe without even realizing it, there's this thing that, happens that I, I'm going like, Oh, don't go there. Like you might look foolish or whatever it is. Yeah, um, I'm trying to me. just drop it and just let it go and, and discover who it is that maybe I'm, I'm supposed to be. You um, stretch. You'll, you'll find that that's literally part of the things that I do. A lot of it boils down to, to finding the spaces that stretch you. And if you think about stretching, like stretching actually feels physically uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. But yeah. as an athlete, I stretch because it creates a longer, stronger muscle. I can go faster, farther for longer. Uh, if you don't have the stretches that, that are uncomfortable emotionally in life, if you don't press into them, you don't, you don't flex that muscle. Therefore, if you ever do get put in a situation, you pull the muscle <laughs> like, yeah. oh, and, you, yeah. and then you're up, tucked aside, you mess <laughs> up, right? Just like a physical body. Yeah. So what you'll do is when you said exercise, it's just find that thing that scares the dog crap out of you and lean into it. Yeah. I like that. I'm gonna, I mean, there's already a few things that I do that I just, I I feel super uncomfortable doing it, but I yeah. do it anyways, because it's just kind of like, well, maybe that's a good indication that I really should be doing it. Yeah. Well, most people, they, they, there's a process, some I call it the, the self mastery loop or life mastery loop, whatever you like to call it. Uh, but it actually ties into that exact thing. And, and the, the problem is you can, you can understand that doing this thing, I might get better at it, but people don't understand the psychology actually that goes in that whole process as to why I do take the, the unconfident action, I call it. And what it boils down to is like, there's a, a process that goes identity of who you believe yourself to be. Then it goes your beliefs, beliefs go to thoughts, thoughts lead to feelings, feelings go to actions. The actions I take have outcomes. The outcomes determine my internal and external environment, which anchors me back to my identity of who I see myself to be. 
Mm. And that's always spinning. For a lot of people, it's spinning in place in the mud, not going uphill. And then there's people who go uphill with it. The people who go uphill do what you just talked about. They go in there, they do this thing, they just take an action because I know I'm supposed to be taking it. Well, here's why you're supposed to take it. The, the, the actions that we usually take are from, they're fueled from like halfway feelings. I don't know, I'm timid, should I? And then you show up and take the action and somebody says, I feel like you're holding something back. And that's mm. how it shows up. And it's because it's not that bold, confident, but blaze in action. And what you do is you can plot what some people would call the alter ego. I call your secret self, that person you just like, hey, I'm turning me off. I'm turning this person on real quick, right? Yeah. And I just do this thing. And then I take this action and then I have a different outcome. And the outcome has a different environment. And I start questioning it, like loosens the dirt of my identity of like, well, maybe the beliefs change, the thoughts change a little bit. Then from the thoughts, I have different feelings that create a bolder action. And now the wheel spins uphill. So when mm. you're talking about having to be my true self, we'll call and put them out there. That is the psychology that you should operate with when you do it. So it's like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm taking the unconfident action because I know that in doing so, I'll change the outcome. And inherently, it's going to change the environment, which will change the beliefs and then the da -da 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 -da, all the way through. If you operate with that kind of process, everything moves smoother. Hmm. I think I'm pretty sure there's a book on, on that part, the little part there that I want to dig in a little bit more of it too, is when... When somebody's kind of struggling as far as shifting their identity is to almost mm -hmm. like take on the identity of some something or something else to kind yeah. of like spur on the that initial thing. Um, mm -hmm. I think the book the, called Alter Ego. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the book's title. Of course, I'm not going to remember it. But the guy wrote a book basically just talking about. He's like. It's a book called Alter Ego. The oh, is Alter it, I, oh, perfect. Yeah, and like and, and it, he 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 says like. <laughs> act as if you're Superman or Batman or whatever. He's like, yeah, pick a superhero and just go with it. Yeah. I, and I loved his work. Cause I was like, it's great. I, I think the difference for me is that I, I, his perspective is be who you are, call the alter ego out when necessary. And then my thought was it's hard to always live separate like that. It, it, I, I feel incongruency. So how do I, with my everyday ego, how do I get that everyday ego in a position that's higher so when I do call me alter ego, it's in, it's in higher level situations, right? Okay. And, and then how do I at one point in time architect an ideal identity, I call it, and then activate that in real life all day, every day. So at some point, I don't need an alter ego. I don't, right. I don't need a separation. Like I, I call the secret self for a specific purpose to show my current self like, no, this is who you really are. Like, oh, okay. And I live into that enough to where eventually I don't need that. It's who I am all day long. How do I turn into Kanye West in all parts of my life? How? You catch that? That's the idea. I want to turn. I'm saying I want to turn to Kanye West. You know, Kanye is like I'm the greatest, baddest, amazing. I'm like yeah. Leonardo. Bit. Like, how do you have that kind of like? He doesn't have an alter ego. He is the alter ego. Right. Yeah. I'd like to know. I'd like to know. Would be. I'd be afraid to see what like non alter ego Kanye is. You know what I mean? Like he just. <laughs> it'd be boring and be weird. But that's the thing is we all think it's got to be this. I got to call myself in a separate segment, and I believe there is a place for developing that that alter ego that that I call secret self, and then understanding where they play a role to plug into that bigger picture loop for you. Mm. Cool. I'll have to add that one to my reading list. Cause I think that'd be a, a fun topic to dig into a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, prior to our call, you were sharing a little bit about your, your day yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and how jam packed it is. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering if you could share a little bit around some of the, the almost like the tactics or the things that you do to yeah. pack in so much into a day. Yeah. 
Well, the thing is, I, I try not to pack in. It's the first thing. I try not to pack so much into a day. But then th- sometimes they pop up that, you know, I have to do. So I'm, I'm looking at my schedule. Like the next couple of weeks are pretty heavy because, like, I'm flying up to Canada to film uh, a video with an organization that, that reaches millions of people. I'm going to go out on their platform. I'm going to go to a TV show in, like, a month. Like, i got to plan things out. And so first what I do is I realized years ago I lost my marriage. I was neglecting my family. I've now been remarried to the same woman. Um, you know, four years now, it's, it's doing amazing, but it's because I learned how to keep uh, a management of my time. I won't call it balance, but I manage my time well. And so what happens is I look at like, what, what are the important things in my life that I say are important and make them important. And what I do is I have projects and I have life. The, the, the life I live, I put into my schedule first, like, where am I going to eat, sleep, write, like certain things I want to get done. And then I say, okay, what are projects got to get done? And I actually, I don't know if I can see it, but I have like, I highlight all the areas that are non-life, that are projects that I can put stuff in. And then I go to my projects and I say, what projects do I have? I put them in consecutive order. I figure out which ones are going to be the next ones up on the docket. And then I say, okay, how many hours will each project take? And I deconstruct it by the hours. I'm not always perfect. Usually I'm within like an hour or two. Mm-hmm. And, and if it says, you know, 10 hours for this or eight for that, whatever it is. Well, then now what I do is I go into this little area where it's highlighted. And I say, I'm going to put our, you know, one of eight here, two of eight here, three of eight here, four of eight here. Flip forward, five, eight, six, eight, and I just roll it all the way through for each of the projects leading into a week prior to their deadlines. And then what this does is once it's all infused in there, now I can live my life, man. And there's this too, there's a tactic to it, which I'm telling you to where I can be with my kids and not worried about work because I know work's going to get done because it's already in here. And then I can be in work and I'm not thinking about project five, six, and seven when I'm on project one because I know five, six, and seven are planned out. And so right. I can be hyper-productive in that moment and be very, very present whenever I'm in a different part of my life. And then one of the things I do is I realize that sometimes days like this pop up where I've been going since 6 a.m. and I'm not going to be done until 7 p.m., 13 straight hours, man. It's a very random, this is not typical of my life. Yesterday, I, I had three hours of work I'm looking at. I don't even know how this all got into one day. I'm kind of pissed at myself for doing this. <laughs> but then like what I did is I started out this morning, like I could sit in bed and hit my snooze, but I'm like, nope. If I start the day behind the ball and I don't get my gym workout in, I'm going to feel bad because I didn't get it in. I'll feel fat all day and loserish, and I'll be all, I'll show up like that. I just know yeah. myself. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to get the gym in. So I get to the gym and then I know I got my stuff going on. But now because I know what I've got, I have little asterisks of different times and I've got to, whether I'm hungry or not, I need to go eat something or I need to do burpees or I need to go drink some water. I got to have it planned of looking at this because then what happens is I'll get through. Most people, they'll start this and say, all right, I'm going to try to get through it. And if you try and get through it, you ruin it because then I can show up here and I'm not on. Like I'd be off and I'd be all weird. And people like this guy's energy sucked and he was just a little bit off. Like, But for me, it's like, no, everything I'm doing, I'm filming videos tonight at the end of my day. And if I film videos and I'm not on, if I'm like, hey, this is that, like, no one's going to watch them. I'm Watch, it's a waste of too much, you know, all these hours. So I know I can't not show up. So I got to plan the things that'll hinder that, which are food and movement, physiology. So I, I'll literally do like 30 burpees in the middle of different exercise or different um, meetings because it gets the, bl- the brain and blood flowing again, right? I'm right. not really tired. I'm just fatigued because I just, I didn't activate. I just sat for too long. So for me, it's how I tactically plan the days out. And then when I look at the day, in the beginning of the day, I'm like, how am I going to prepare at 6 a.m. to be on at 4 p.m.? Like, how do I? And I plan it out, eat, look at my mark for burpees here, tea right here. Like, this is my third cup of tea, tea right here, food right. Like, it's all there. 
And I show up, do my thing. And then when I get to seven o'clock, I can shut down and have no stress about anything else I'm supposed to do because it's all structured into the next four or five weeks of my life. I'm always four weeks out. Right. So I'm good. I just live my life, man. That's, that's, I like that. I like that a lot, actually. I, I'm, I used to feel like very structured in that way. It's having a yeah, newborn life mm. that got and then, a little, that got a little crazy. So I just yeah. want to confirm that I heard this properly though. So you are, you block off or make sure that on your calendar, there's an allotted time for like eating, drinking yeah. water, doing yeah. like a quick little workout to get the blood flowing. You're incorporating that into your schedule. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't put it like an hour here. I just make a little mark. Like right. I have like so early I called my buddy Jason from 10 to 1030. Just my best friend. I'm hang out and chat. It's a mark right there. I get up and I can walk and talk with him. I don't got to, I don't got to be in front of a camera. I just do my thing. Yeah. So I'll go get a bite to eat and I'll get my tea ready to go. And then I had a call at 1030, half hour later and then a okay. podcast. Got it, the got podcast, it, got I had a client and then I had another, after the client, I had my sales team, but I know him. I can go walk around, get some more food to eat. Then we're on. Right. So I have breaks. When we're done, I get my kids, drink some more water, hang with the kids real quick, come back, got another meeting. Then I got another call with the different guys. So, but I got it all planned. It's a little asterisk that pop in there to get it done. I was going to ask, what do you use as your indicator to, uh, I know that's super weird question, but it's like, yeah. it's interesting. I think a lot of people, I think people, if I was listening to this, I'd be like, well, what is he using to indicate it? Like a W for water, E for eat. <laughs> it's just a little mark. That's mark. cool. I like that. I mean, so, you can do whatever you want. You could. The thing is, also, these things become uh, they become normalcy to me because I've been doing this since 2011. Like, this isn't just I just started doing this. This is almost a decade deep in doing this exact process. So you figure out like what my marks are. I know what the asterisk means, or I will make a mark that says water. And I know I know how to talk to myself in the future. Is the best way mm. to explain it. So I make a mark of like eat water, like move. You know, like it's just there. And yeah. also at the same time, I can also gauge how I feel, but you just, you create a process. And that's why that's this thing is, this is why I teach people this. Like this is a, this is a part of it, right? Cause part of it also, what you don't see is what I talked about, you know, I know that if I don't get my workout and I'm going to feel like a loser and fat out of shape, I'm not saying anybody should, but like, I know what identity that I want to have. And I realize that this schedule that I have today, this right here needs to be something I do without even ever having the conversation of it difficult. It needs to be my normalcy mm. only because I have goals that are higher. It doesn't mean that, that I want to do it every day. It doesn't mean that it will happen like this every day, but where this one day is, is abnormal. What if I had three of those throughout the week? Could I hang right now? I couldn't. And that's okay. Cause I know what I'm stretching into. It's why I leave like this and I operate and plan. So I know my own flow. And then what happens when I want to have a book and programs and coaching clients and certify people and run live events. When I do all the stuff I want to do, I could knock it off like no problem. And the way I got to this point was having a perspective past me. And anybody that's listening right now, there's somebody that we aspire to be in our same industry or same field or the world. And I always have this question internally. I tell you to have the same one. If I was to go to this person who I know is doing all these things at this high level and I showed them my schedule and told them how hard it is, would they look at it and laugh or sit there and be like, hey, I get it. You're doing a great job. Nine times out of 10, they're going to look at you and laugh like, that's what you did today? Yeah, I, that, that looks great, but I add five more hours and that's, that's what my day is. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so I sit back and I'm like, all right, if I'm going to be at that level, this right here is hard to me now and it's okay to be hard now, but I better not run from this. How do I lean in and, and manage and master this so that I can get to that level of operating? The only separation between people who are successful and successful, it's not always the tools and techniques and the strategies. 
you get those if you just stay in the in the game and you stay in as long as they did. You figure out the tools you need. You figure out the strategies that work or don't work. You don't always have to go and get them. And if you do get them, you know how to apply them, right? So I'm just teaching people how to operate at a, a higher level, but really like how to shift the perspective of the identity that you want to be mm. so that when you look at your schedule, it's like, no, that's who I am. That I do that. And that, oh, it's so hard. It's overwhelming. And how do you do it? It's just who I am, man. I find right. joy in it at this point. As opposed to overwhelm, I create joy. And when you get to that point, because typically overwhelm happens like this for people, is you enter some space and it's scary or overwhelm could be fear. It could be replaced, you know, uh, anger, whatever it is. This thing gives me a level 10 of pain emotionally for whatever way you want to frame it. It's 10. It's painful. I do it. And like when I was a kid, I, I back out of it. Like, oh, that's scary. Most people do like, oh, this is hard, difficult. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to re-expose myself. So it deters me. And then I go, well, what if I do it again from what I learned from that, that pain experience? I'm going to come back. It's a nine now. Okay, cool. I just I learned some more. I'm gonna go back. That that's now it's an eight, and then a seven, and then a six. And eventually, this thing that gave me this this overwhelm and pain in the beginning because I've learned so much and, and been figuring it out, it's a zero. But it doesn't go to zero; it goes to joy. Because now what happens is I feel amazing because I mastered it, and I know that you're freaking out when you do it. And look at me do what scares you. Hey, you know, and that, that's like the people who are athletes. We suck in the beginning, and now as we get better, now hey, look at me, bro. Hey. You know what I mean? Or the people who are speakers, eventually you find joy in this thing that the beginning might have scared the crap out of you. Yeah. But only because you lean back in because the goal was to stay the course, stretch, navigate that process, but you're doing it because it spins that wheel uphill at all moments in time. And eventually you've shifted your identity to where what overwhelms you now brings you joy. It's who you are now. Yeah. That's awesome. I think this is a good place to wrap up. That was Anthony. Thank you so much for the conversation. I took a lot of value. I know the audience will take as much, if not maybe even more value out of it. Um, coming out of the conversation though, what would be that one thing though you would suggest the audience really focuses on as far mm -hmm. as what we talked about today? Yeah, there's, I mean, a lot of things. And I think the base foundation, there's a lot that I talk about people like, I don't know how to do all that. So the first thing I would say is first, uh, ownership. And when I say ownership, it's not saying it as like one singular statement. It holds weight in that area. But if you break it down, there's three levels to it. So own simply means to own that there's something you got to do. And it's okay. Accept that you suck. Like realize that hey, it's okay that I'm not good. Own that there's some work that has to be done for you to get where you want to get to. Totally cool. Drop the ego, drop the facade. Your Realize it's work you have to do. It's not the work that, that you can ask someone to do or the boss to do or anybody. You have to do the work. You know that it's a problem. Only you're going to be the one that fixes your life. I don't care who else you have a spouse. They're not going to fix your life for you. Do the work. Now that you realize that it's a problem, only you can fix it, shift. You have to shift your thoughts, beliefs, actions, mindset, and you have to do the work. Like the shift is, an, it's, a, it's a verb, shift, move, right? There's a lot of people in life that I know that they, they know it's a problem. They know they can fix it. And they just keep playing video games and do nothing with their life. Mm. I know these people, right? So if you know that there's an issue, you know there's a problem, do the work to change it. So if you can own your shift, it'll change your life. Cool. That was awesome. That was really good advice. Uh, so if people wanted to connect with you and, and or learn more about you, what, what's the best place to uh, find you online? Yeah. Instagram's where I'm at as a human being consistently, like social. I'm on Instagram all day long, messaging people going back and forth. So at Anthony Trucks on there. Uh, to get more information on what I do and how it works, go to anthonytrucks.com. 
Yeah, I mean, and if they if they want to get a, a like, is a tool I use called the slow or go identity. They want to mm. figure out where they fit on that kind of uh, what they have a slow or go identity. Go to sloworgo.co. Cool, awesome. I'll include all that and more probably in the show notes. Um, but it's been an absolute pleasure. I again thank you so much for being guests. That was a yeah. lot of fun, uh, and I hope to uh, continue conversations with you down the road. Uh, you're always sure a will, great. Man. You're always a great guy to chat with. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Take care. Too. Thanks for listening to the Get Coach Podcast. If you're looking for more information, you can head over to our website, which is getcoachedpodcast.com. You'll find the show notes for this and every other episode there. And if getting actionable advice every week from professional coaches is something you want more of, then make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes.